Hey everyone, this is Matt with another Overflow podcast. We are in our Unshakable series where we have been looking at tests that you can go through in life. And we've been in this series about passing the tests of life from the book of Daniel. And so far, we've looked at five different tests. First, when your world is shaken up, that's like the test of major change. We looked at when you're pressed to conform, that's like peer pressure. And we looked at when your beliefs are belittled, that's like when you're facing challenges at school or your job. We looked at when you're asked to do the impossible, when someone in your life, maybe a boss or somebody else says, I need you to do this yesterday. And you're like, yesterday's already passed and I don't have the time or the money to do this. How do I get it done? That's a test. And the last test we looked at was when the heat is on, that was the young men going through the fiery furnace because they refused to bow down to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. That was when they're facing a tough choice. So today we're looking at a surprising test that's a little different than all the others. How God tests us with success. I know stress is a test. I know suffering is a test. But success? Of course it's a test. Have you ever seen success ruin anybody? Of course you have. It goes through their head. They get all snobbery. It changes their character. They crack up. They can't handle it. Success has ruined more people than anything else. In fact, uh, VH1, you guys remember VH1? It was that old music TV channel where they actually played music videos. They built an entire TV network of biographies of rock groups that imploded, that they cracked up or broke up when they got successful. In fact, almost all bands do. For every nine people who can handle pain, you maybe find one who can handle fame. And the praise usually goes to people's heads. Proverbs 27.21 says, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but people are tested by praise. Compliments and criticisms are kind of like chewing gum. Chew on it a little while, never swallow, because both of them can really mess you up. People are tested by the praise they receive. Human beings are the only animal that God created that when you pat them on the back, their head swells. Daniel 4 tells us how King Nebuchadnezzar, who we've been looking at for several weeks now, literally loses everything because of his pride, his arrogance, and his ego. So let's just review. Nebuchadnezzar is the most successful man on planet Earth at this time around 2,500 years ago. That's when he lived. His father had been the king of Babylon. He was a young general in his dad's army. He single-handedly defeated the Assyrian Empire, which was the biggest, most powerful empire of its day. And now all of a sudden, Babylonian Empire is bigger than they were because of this young man, Nebuchadnezzar. And he comes home the conquering general. He's a rock star. At a very early age, he's very, very successful. And when his dad dies, he succeeds his dad as king. He becomes the emperor of Babylon. Then he expands the Babylonian empire until it becomes the most powerful empire in the world of that day. Everybody feared Nebuchadnezzar. And not only that, he built the most beautiful city in the world. And that day it was called Babylon. And he built what we call the hanging gardens of Babylon for his wife. You know, and they were actually called one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the hanging gardens of Babylon, just like the pyramids. It was of that quality. People wanted to go just 
to go to Babylon just to see it. And as I said, he became the powerful, most powerful man on earth. But Nebuchadnezzar, he had a problem. It was his pride, his ego. See, some people have a problem with anger their entire lives. He had a problem with pride, with arrogance his entire life, because he had one success after another. He never failed. So this story in chapter four picks up when he's in his 50s. A lot of time has passed. He's a very powerful man. And one night he had a disturbing dream. Now, this is 32 years after the previous dream that we looked at that he couldn't interpret, where he ended up talking to a guy named Daniel to interpret, and he did. 32 years later, he's like, oh, yeah, let me call that Daniel guy. I had another weird dream. Can you tell me what it means? Daniel tells him. He's kind of sad because he has to be the bearer of bad news, but he says, King, here goes. This is what it means. The dream you just had means that God is fed up with your arrogance. He's fed up with your pride, with your ego. You would have nothing if it weren't for God. Everything you've got in life because God allows you to have it. And if God didn't want you to have it, you might be homeless on the street. But you've taken all the credit for yourself and you should have known better, Nebuchadnezzar, because God's shown you a bunch of miracles since the Jews have been here. It's not about you. So your time is about up because God gave you all these chances and because you haven't humbled yourself and you haven't depended on God, God is going to remove you as the king of the greatest empire in the world for a season of time. Not permanent, but you're going to lose your kingdom. Not only that, you're going to lose your mind. You're actually going to lose touch with reality and you're going to go insane. So much so you're going to be kicked out of the palace. You're going to go live in the desert like an animal. Your hair is going to get all matted because nobody's going to care for you. Your fingernails are going to grow out so long they're going to look like claws. You're going to live like an animal because you will actually lose your sanity for a period of time. But Daniel says, you know what? There's good news, King. You can avoid all this. You don't have to go through this humiliating experience if you will humble yourself. If you will listen to God and you'll just start honoring God with your success. If you honor God with your success, you can avoid the fall. Unfortunately, the king did nothing about this. In fact, he didn't even get mad at Daniel. He just put it off. He had the dream. He gets the interpretation and he just moves on in life. He forgets about it. He goes on his way. Still living the eagle ship, still being all about himself. He procrastinates doing the right thing. He does nothing to humble himself, and he forgets the whole incident. So he eventually loses everything that he worked for. The most powerful and influential man in the world ends up being homeless and insane out on the streets, out in the desert. It's pretty pretty fascinating to read in Daniel chapter 4. But Daniel had said, "If you all you have to do is start honoring God to avoid it, but he didn't. So he fails the test of success. You can be expected to be tested in your success. Whatever level of success you have in life, God's going to test you. And if you pass the test, you get more. If you don't, you get less. I don't want this to happen. You've heard people say, it's wise to learn from experience. You know, that's that's great. But, but here's the problem with that statement. We don't have time to learn, to make all the mistakes ourselves and to learn from them. It's wise to learn from experience, but it's wiser to learn from the experience of others. 
so that you don't make those mistakes. And that's one of the reasons we have the Bible. It's a lot less painful when we read what Nebuchadnezzar did and how he failed that test of success. So that means that we can say, you know what? This is what he did. I'm going to learn from that. But what gets us into trouble with the test of success is there are three things. So let's go over them. Number one, we get into trouble because we get comfortable and complacent with success. Daniel 4.4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. That's how it starts. Does that sound like someone who's praying to God every day? (laughs) No. So let me ask you a personal question. Here goes. Do you pray more when you are in pain or when everything's going right? When you're in pleasure. There's no doubt you pray more when you're in pain. Because when you're in pain, you're like, oh, God, help me out. (laughs) When things are going great, oh, we're having a good time. We're not even thinking about God. So it's pleasure that pulls us away from God. And that's the time when pride creeps in and we forget that God is the one who's in charge of it all. I want you to notice all the personal pronouns in this next statement in Nebuchadnezzar's. Daniel 4, verse 30. I said to myself, just look. Now, notice the eyes and me's and my's in the sentence, okay? He's talking to himself, and listen to what he says. I said to myself, just look at this great city of Babylon that I have created, that I, by my own mighty power, have built this beautiful city for my glory. I built it to show my power, my might, my majesty, my glory. Quite humble, huh? This is the problem right here. Remember, have you ever heard the lesson of the whale? You know, the whale is like at the top of the food chain. And when it gets to the top and you're ready to blow, that's when they harpoon you. (laughs) Be humble or you'll stumble. This little human with a harpoon can end the big whale's life. Be humble or you'll stumble. Throughout the Bible, we're warned constantly about the dangers of pride. And the middle letter of pride is what? It's I. The middle letter of sin is what? I. Pride causes sin. Pride is the root of all sin, no matter what the sin is. I know God says, no, don't talk about other people. Don't gossip. But I think I know better than God, so I'm going to gossip. I know I'm supposed to forgive that person, but I know better. I know what God says about sex, but I'm going to do my own thing. I know what God says about money, but I'm going to do my own thing. Pride is the root of every other sin. Pride is the sin that got Satan kicked out of heaven. God hates pride more than anything else in life because it says, I'm God and I don't need God. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And Nebuchadnezzar had a major fall in his life. Proverbs 16.5 says, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. Whenever we're prideful, we're on the opposite side of God. So we fail the test. When, we, when we're being complacent and comfortable. Second, we don't pay attention to the warning signs. Often in your life when things are going good, you don't see the warning signs. But in every success are the seeds of our own destruction. But often the signs are not seen because pride blinds us. I remember the first time I was a guest speaker after I resigned from my first job. It was a large church. And the first time I was on stage, they had these bright lights shining down on me. And I had never been at a stage with lights on. I had no idea what it was like. First off, it was hot. I never thought about that, but I was hot. 
If you're under stage lights, man, woo, it's hot. And it blinded me. I could not see the faces of the people in the audience as it was too bright. It was kind of weird as I'm used to connecting with people's faces when I spoke. And if you're in the spotlight all the time, when the lights are shining brightly on you, you can't see clearly. If you live on the stage, you're famous, you don't see the warning signs. Pride gets bigger and bigger. And God even warns Nebuchadnezzar in advance. That's pretty nice to be warned in advance, but he doesn't do anything. So my question then is, what are the warning signs in your life when you're headed in the wrong direction? Do you even know what they are? The warning signs that you've kind of gotten off track, that you're getting a little prideful, that you're forgetting God. Do you even know what those signs are? Conflict can be a warning sign. If you're having conflict in a relationship, that's a sign you're on the wrong track. Chaos in your life could be a warning sign. Confusion. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. That's a warning sign. You're not as well connected to God as you ought to be. You're doing it in your own power. Like if it's to be, it's up to me. Temptation can be a warning sign. I'm just being tempted at work or at school. It's a warning sign. And God warned Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to lose it all, buddy. You're very successful. You're the most powerful and influential and successful guy in the world. But you're going to lose it if you don't change. Daniel tells the king what he needs to do. Daniel 4, 27. Therefore, your majesty, please be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. And maybe that then your prosperity will continue. So God not only warned him, but he gave him an action plan to implement how to pass the test. You ever, like, you're confronted with something in life and you don't know what to do, and you're like, ah, I don't know what to do, and it's so frustrating. This is amazing. God, like, warns him and then says, okay, you want to avoid it? I'm even going to tell you what to do. You don't even have to guess. You don't even have to know. You have to do these two things. But did you know, the first thing he says, he says, repent. It simply means to change your mind, change your attitude, change your thinking. In the Bible, you are told, never told to pray, God, humble me. Not once in scripture are you told by God to pray, God, humble me. God, keep me humble. It doesn't say that. It says, humble yourself multiple times. Humble yourself. See, some humility is a choice that we make. Let's define pride and humility. Pride is when I accept the credit for things that God and other people did through me and for me. And when I accept the credit that doesn't really belong to me, I couldn't have done it without God. I couldn't have done it without other people. But I'm acting like it all came out because of my own brilliance. That's pride. Pride is accepting credit for things that God and others did through you and for you. Humility, let me get this clear. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less often. A lot of people think humility means I walk around going, I'm no good, I'm nothing, I'm worthless. No, 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 no. You're not worthless. You're not a pile of junk. Jesus didn't die for junk. You're infinitely valuable to God. Look at what Jesus did on the cross. It shows how much you're valued. Jesus died for you. That's how valuable you are. But you're also deeply flawed and broken, and you have weaknesses and mistakes and sins in your life. Both are true. You're deeply flawed, and you're deeply loved. Both of them are true. Humility is just having a realistic estimate of yourself. It's not putting yourself down. 
but it's thinking about others more than yourself. Humility is just having a realistic estimate of yourself, getting the focus off of you. Here's the difference. You walk into a room and you're having a party or whatever, and you're thinking, oh, how do I look? I look good. I look this. What am I going to do? It's, you're only thinking about yourself. That's where pride comes in. But if you look in a room and say, oh, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. I wonder how they're doing. I want to talk to them. You're thinking of other people first, and you're being humble. A humble person isn't going around going, I'm humble, humble, humble. No. Humble person just simply thinks about others, thinks about God more than themselves. And the more you think about and care about others and care about God, the more humble you're going to be. Then Daniel tells him the second thing he's got to do. Serve the poor. Help the oppressed. Why in the world would God tell the most powerful man in the world to serve the poor? There's many reasons. First, get your focus off yourself, which is his main problem. You're thinking about people who have more needs than you do when then you're succeeding. Second, it keeps you touching reality. You know, people who are successful lose touch with reality. Like I knew there was this big, big blow up over how this one celebrity, you know, to avoid 15 minutes of traffic, she took her helicopter and flew it seven or eight minutes or something to just get away instead of using being in traffic for 15 minutes. She flew on her helicopter and people like blew up and got mad at her. And she was like, what did I do wrong? Because she's not living in reality. She's out of touch. In America, we don't realize how blessed we are. We live in a bubble. Let me just put this in perspective. Do you have any change on you? Coins in your pocket? Any coins in a little dish at home or a little jar or a bottle or whatever? If you have coins at home just lying around, you are already wealthier than over 90% of the people in the world. Just even have a thing called money that's just laying around. If you have a refrigerator with food in it, you're wealthier than 50% of the world. And most people would love to be poor in America because where you're really poor, people look in America and everybody's rich. Even the poorest of the poor in America have safety nets to take care of people. Even the poor can have a television or a phone. They have clothes. They have a roof over their head. Most of the world would love to be poor in America. And that's why we live in a bubble. Go on a mission trip and see how the rest of the world really does live. And when you see true poverty, it'll help keep you in touch with reality. So we get into trouble by being comfortable and complacent with our success. We don't pay attention to the blaring, beeping, neon warning signs. And third, we all do this. We put off doing what is right. Daniel 4.29, 12 months later, reminds me of SpongeBob SquarePants. Two hours later, 12 months later, they like fast forward the scene. What's he been doing for this past year? What's Nebuchadnezzar been doing? God says, you're going to lose your kingdom. You're going to lose your mind if you don't change. What did he do? Nothing. He's dawdling, procrastinating, delaying, deferring, ignoring, forgetting, not changing anything in the life. He did nothing. Ten years ago, we moved into our current house, and I remember going to the bank and getting our credit report done and seeing our credit score drop from 820 to 770. Now, it's still very high, but it turns out, we had a late credit card payment, just one from like just six months ago. We were struck, where did this come from? And then my wife and I realized it was from a secondary credit card that we forgot about. And we got the bill and we're like, yeah, yeah, I'll pay it off tomorrow. And we kept putting it off. 
And it was such a small amount that we didn't, we just kind of forgot about it. And eventually Jeanette took care of it. Maybe it wasn't a couple hundred dollars. I think it was like $30. It was really small. And eventually Jeanette took care of it and she realized, oh no, we got late fees. And so she called them up and got them removed. No big deal. Until we went for our mortgage and realized our credit dropped 50 points for one two month late on one credit card. We had a perfect credit report for 20 years, but one two months late on a $30 credit card dropped us 50 points. It's insane how much it affected our credit rating. Let me ask you this. If God warned you, if God tonight warned you in a dream, you're going to lose everything that you've ever worked for in your life if you don't change. Would you wait 12 months? Would you wait a month? Would you wait a week? Let me ask you that. Personally, if God warned you, the truth is he has warned us. It's right here in his book. And he says, if you do these things, I'm going to bless you. And and you're going to succeed in life. And if you don't do these things, you're going to fail. You're going to hit the wall. You're going to have dead ends, delays, difficulties, and things aren't going to go the way you want them to go. As I was typing this up, God reminded me how I've been putting off fixing my hip, really taking ownership of it. My hip has been bothering me for like eight years now. And I was doing really good with it until COVID. I stopped swimming. I gained weight back. I lost. I became less mobile. In the last couple of weeks, it's gotten so bad. I'm having trouble just lying down, sitting or walking. No position is helpful. So I said, you know what? I know what to do. God told me years ago, I just put it off. So this week I started to exercise and stretch it specifically to eat less and more of the right food. It still hurts. It's not as bad. But I hope I didn't put it off too long so I can still fix it. What have you been putting off that you don't think is a big deal or you're not in a hurry or you'll just, I'll get to that later, but later never comes. Don't put it off. Do something about it. Join me and say, enough. I've been warned. God help me and to do what I need to do. We all have something in our lives that we have been warned about that we need to change. What is it for you? I hope that you're going to stop putting it off and say, you know what? I'm going to do what I have to do. And I hope that encourages you to stop putting off whatever you need to do. And next spot, we're going to look at our steps to recovery when we don't do what we're supposed to do and fail the test of success. God bless. I'll see you next week.